0: Welcome to the Creatively Connected Classroom Podcast, episode number 31.
1: Welcome to the Creatively Connected Podcast from Education Closet, connecting teachers and ideas one glue stick at a time. Here's your hosts and K-12 Art Chat founders, Matt and
2: Laura Grundler. Everybody, this is matt and laura grundler uh, welcome back to another episode of creatively connected classroom and uh, we have our wonderful host as we do guest host i guess with us as we always do every episode um, <laughs> katie we white just, i feel like we find the best people to talk
3: to <laughs> um, katie white author of unlocked assessment as the key to everyday creativity in the classroom and I messed that up. It's a but mouthful, but, it, but it's, it's so so, it resonated so much with me when I found this book and, um, started following Katie on Twitter. So we're really excited we're to, have, to have, you. have her and have you yeah, on the, really on the
1: episode with you. Yeah, so, I am um, excited as well.
2: <laughs> we would love to hear, I know we were having some side banter earlier, but, um, we would love to hear your kind of your journey and, you know, a little bit about who you are and what you do.
1: Sure. Okay. So I, I live in uh, the province of Saskatchewan in the big wide country of Canada, which shouldn't matter, except it kind of does to me because we're just very place land based here. And so it really just impacts my whole worldview. And, um, I have done a lot of things. I feel like so. So in terms of the the whole creativity piece, I started when I was a, a teenager. My mom's an artist; um, that's who she is. And so, as a teenager, I started teaching art classes and working in a in an art gallery in our city um, through university. And just the arts has just been part of my life. And so that's kind of where that whole piece came from. And then I and then I got myself into education, and I started. Um, teaching. I've taught every grade level from pre-kindergarten to 12, every single grade level, and um, have had a taste of kind of the development of a kid from beginning to when we spit them out at the end. <laughs> I got, got kind of intrigued in what that means for kids and where creativity fits in all of that. And then I became a a vice principal or an assistant principal of a high school and a principal of an elementary school. And then I worked in central office, which is where I still work. I'm a coordinator of of learning during the day. And then I started writing books and talking to people. So that's kind of, it's just been... Everything from soup to nuts. <laughs> Love
3: it.
2: Wow. That's wow. a huge area.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know,
3: it's funny, Saskatchewan. I don't know much about Saskatchewan. I can't even say <laughs> it. <laughs> it's hard. Saskatchewan. Yeah. Um, I met a lovely IB art teacher from up there. And she did say that living there informs a lot of the decisions she makes as a teacher. So that's mm-hmm. the that you said that. And yep. It's just a different experience. I think that wherever we are, that informs a lot of of who we become in life. And uh, I love that your mother was an art teacher or an artist, artist, and, yeah, artist, yeah, working artist. So creativity as the jumping off point. Why is it important in an education?
1: Well, I actually can't think of a reason why it isn't important. So. <laughs> How about that? Yeah. <laughs> Okay, so there's just a whole bunch of things that I think about when I think about this. Like I think about, I guess I come at this from the perspective of, of the whole child, to use a bit of a catchphrase, but, but I think of students as, as really complex human beings um, who are searching just like adults. And, um, and I think creativity, creative experiences, the opportunity for creative expression is a way of becoming a human being. it's a it's how you sort through things. It's how you find your voice. It's how you learn to make decisions and handle um, failure. It's just a really great, I don't know, mode of doing all of those things. And on top of it, I just feel like creativity positions kids in an education system in a way that really aligns with what I believe about children anyway, which is that they're autonomous, uh, capable, you know, thoughtful people, and I just really like the notion that creativity opens the door to to owning things, right? To oh, yeah. deciding yeah. what matters. So there's all of that, and then you pile on top of that the cherry on the Sunday, which is the creativity is just fun. It's just <laughs> fun. Yeah, it's it really is. awesome, and so I feel like it's a great way. It's a great vehicle to get at all kinds of learning, you know? So it's just, it's all good.
2: So, yeah, no, it is. I mean, I, so I guess your first question that you had was, you know, how can we make sure that our assessment practices do not stifle Mm risk-taking and encourage play?
1: Yeah, so that's a huge question, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. I, it was it was it was pretty deep to start out with. So I'm just curious <laughs> what your I'm curious what your answer would have been. I
1: mean, or was or, yeah, or what? Well, I'll never remember what it was because my brain is too full. But I think <laughs> what, it has to be what I'm saying now, right? If it's what I believe, yeah, sure. it's, it's going to linger. So I'm a little bit worried about the story of assessment in North America. I, I'm kind of concerned about you know just that sort of visceral experience that people have in relation to it, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And I feel like it's another one of those tools like creativity or processes that, that can be used for good or not good. And I just feel like in a lot of ways, it's being used for not good. And I think part of it is that it's, it's how we view assessment, like how we're treating it, what we do with it, yes. uh, we, with the purpose we think it serves. So, so if you take the notion of, of risk-taking and play and the importance of it, first of all, you have, to, you have to honor the importance of it. And then you say, how can I structure um, assessment, which is intended quite simply to tell me where I am right now in relation to where I'm trying to go? Exactly. Um, if, if there's a way that we can we can do that really important skill of assessing, but do it in a way that lets kids think that if they didn't have the right solution or they didn't make the right decision the first time, that that's okay, right. that they can still recover, yep. um, then I think we're using both to their maximum effect. So some of the things that I would have said around that is, and this is a little controversial sometimes, but I, I'm a fan of delaying criteria setting for a while. I talk about the four, um, you know, about four stages of creativity and exploration is that critical first stage. And I think that when kids have a chance to mess around without limits, when it's time to sort of set limits or establish criteria, set goals, I think it's just grounded in that experience. So the, the criteria that emerge from conversations with kids are much richer because they've messed around for a bit. And they have a sense of what made them happy and what didn't and what surprised them. So delaying criteria settings, one of those processes, I think, um, while we're talking about delaying things, how about if we delay summative assessment for pretty much as long as we can um, and and let kids try and try again and try again and sort out what it is that they're trying to achieve. So those are just a couple of things. I'd say the third thing, I guess, maybe the big theme in the book is self-assessment. Yes. Um, um, trying to help kids own their own goals, right? And I know because you, you folks are involved in the arts, you know the old tried and true, like the kid who comes up to you with with their work and says, says, Am I am I done? And a and a great art teacher <laughs> says, I don't know, are you? Like <laughs> you tell me. You tell me. Yes. That's a, yep, that's exactly. exactly. <laughs> Are it's you just not? so annoying to them, right? Because they're really used to this is how I get from A to B, yep. and the more I can pastor my teacher, the greater the chance of them telling me every single step. And I just, I just love that we can say, I, "This is up to you, my friend. What are you trying well, to achieve?"
3: You, I mean, you, so many things you say can <laughs> resonate so loudly with me. You know, and one of the things we see in the arts is that assessment has not always been used well in their general, um, in the, in whatever other classrooms they're in. And they're very in this mode of, I have a checklist of things that I have to get done to get the A right. Yeah. And I want to know exactly what those are from the very beginning and once I've got it, then what check. What else do I need to do? So they want these step-by-step, what are my, ch- and and that's not what we want for kids. We want them to be able to discover and use their critical thinking and problem-solving skills to really get to this deeper, like you said, a more rich place. And mm-hmm. so how do we encourage our teachers to delay that criteria setting and get comfortable with the exploration? Because I think that that's, that's scary for some teachers.
1: Well, not only is it scary, I mean, there is some merit to the argument that we can hit a target that we know exists, right? Mm -hmm. And so I feel like the... the very prescriptive work that we find in the area of assessment comes from a good place i feel like people are trying to help kids see the target and so they're very articulate very specific about that but you know every coin has two sides and the problem with with that prescriptive approach is is while it certainly helps kids get to the target if we do it at the wrong times or if we don't engage kids in it we remove all elements of thinking. It's just, it's just compliance. And I do think it's a bit of a leap of faith. I think that for some teachers, the hesitation to delay criteria setting is because they don't want to do a disservice to kids. There's that element, right? Because we want to do what's best for kids. right? But I think on the, on the other end of that is, is the really solid belief that I have that kids will get there. They will get to where we need them to get to. We have to believe in them. And so, you know, what I maybe would say to somebody who's who's messing around with this for the first time is don't delay criteria setting for three weeks, but in an hour class period, give them 10 or 15 minutes to engage in materials or images or questions Mm -hmm. before we jump right to it you know the whole write your um, goal statement or your standard on the board practice has again has merit Mm -hmm. but who gets the chance to state it I guess is up in the air let's let kids play around and then say, what questions do you think we're trying to answer today? What questions yeah. might we be Essential trying to questions answer? And...
3: Yeah, well, just, just the whole inquiry process. I think when kids have a chance to explore something, that's when they become curious. And then that's when they start asking those questions. And you said that one of the, the big pieces in the book was self-assessment. And I know in our school district, we're really looking at assessment carefully right now. And we've talked a lot about student agency and what what role do our kids have in owning their learning? And mm-hmm. and then also, I mean, do, do grades or assessment pieces really inform instruction? Because that's mm-hmm. what they're meant to do, right? They're, they're totally. meant to give us, you know, where do we go next? It's, I mean, as a teacher, I should, every assessment I give should give me some information to inform my path of instruction for those kids. And I think that, because in our society, we're just, there's so much on the shoulders of teachers that it's mm-hmm. hard because you, you've you got to check. Teachers also have to check a lot of boxes and yep. giving ourselves that permission to say, okay, I'm going to slow down and I'm going to really think about this differently and get in a different mode is, is a shift. I know that it's going to be a shift for some of our teachers just mm-hmm. because our parents have a certain level of expectation as well. But I don't know, Matt and I have talked a lot about, you know, the grades we get from our elementary schools. Do they really tell us what our kids are learning or what they know
1: or what they've mastered or what they could learn or or what what interests them or what they're (laughs) curious about? I mean, those are really rich questions that I have as a parent myself, right? Yeah. Yeah. So grades. I mean, grades are a whole. That's a whole. Uh, <laughs> I know. <laughs> it's
2: a whole other bucket. Yeah, yeah no, it's a know whole other bucket. But... but. So, yeah,
1: but it is. Yeah.
2: I mean, how would you suggest maybe we we build you know build in that self reflection or that strong reflection for the kids and and even for you know for anybody really.
1: I think I think that what you would find in the book is kind of my my theory being put to the test here. I. I wonder if wonder isn't the way to get at it, mm-hmm. so with each with each part you know in the book there's the you know there's all of these reflection questions, possible questions that we could invite kids into and you know i um somewhat of a sidebar when I used to teach senior art i for a couple of years I did an action research project out of my own curiosity on um journaling in art classes and how <laughs> we're only laughing because we're really big on that (laughs) okay so I was trying to get I was trying to get really rich thoughtful entries from from high school kids and uh and so I Um, I spent a lot of time but anyway at the at the root of it you know that I would say this the summary that came from my action research and trying a bunch of things was that it really comes down to the prompt the, the question that we ask kids really largely determines the quality of the response that we get. And so I think that inviting, inviting our learners to think about um, their work as it's developing in a really purposeful way mm-hmm. is pretty akin to self-assessment. Certainly, it's it's a great entry point, right? So if I ask an open-ended question... Um, about how they're feeling about their work or which pieces of their work are making them the most frustrated or curious or what surprised them, then we can, you know, it's, a, it's an easier step to, so you've got another 60 minutes to play around with this. Uh, you know, what goal do you have for yourself? What are, you, what are you thinking you'd like to try and accomplish? And then how can we set you up to be able to do that? I mean, that's self-assessment right there, but it's, it's making the, sp- the time and the space for it It's having a really solid prompt um, so that kids, you know, that punctuate their thinking so that it slows them down enough to to be careful. It's inviting them to articulate what they want first. And uh, and then it's also giving them the tools and the strategies to be able to dive back into a piece and sort of get familiar with the notion of revision, Mm -hmm. which is super hard for kids.
2: It It is. I mean, I, I know when I was teaching elementary, we would usually do a gallery walk, like a mid-process gallery walk where, you know, the kids were, you know, a good probably 15 minutes into their, their project. And they're, you know, I'm like, okay, everybody stand up, take a walk around, see what other people are doing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that, then that invites you know more idea to then go hey you know what i really like what this person's doing so i'm gonna try it in mine you know mm-hmm. and so i just I, I found that being able to just to be a great place to start because so many kids are so guarded of oh i'm not going to show my art because it's not finished yet and then like i'm kind of forcing them to step out of the box to feel a little bit uncomfortable so that way they get used to that and once they got used to that, yeah. then it was like, okay, now I'm going to go talk to two people and say, okay, this, I know this is done or I feel like I'm getting close. So what can I do? Or is there something I can do to improve it?
1: So. Absolutely. I think, I, I also think that, I mean, one of the things that I used to always do in that kind of environment, I'm a huge fan of gallery walks or laying the workout and having the kids um, reflect as, as a collective, is is the idea that some kids can get pretty discouraged when they see other kids work um, that they think represents in their mind, what the right work is. And so I also made a pretty big point during my group critiques to really, really um, verbally hone in on the aspects of work that I thought kids wouldn't recognize as intriguing or interesting. Right. Because I, I, I don't know, as, as our teachers, it's one of my favorite things Or actually as teachers is finding that that voice or that thought or that way of doing something that is not traditionally, Mm -hmm. you know, what lots of kids think good art is, but that is so profound balance and color. And I just, and so really helping kids understand that even when you're celebrating your strengths um, there's things that can come out that we weren't expecting. And that's part of self-assessment is, is those hidden things that pop out of our work that, that were magical, right? That we didn't plan for. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I
3: just took a workshop yesterday where that was really, you know, that's hard for all learners. And especially as educators, when you're in the seat learning, it reminds you how that sh- about that struggle. Be- the teacher in the workshop was telling us, you know, you just need to let the mess happen and that you just need to let go and see where it goes. And it was so hard to let go. And... So and that's, we just have to, <laughs> <laughs> but I think that that's, yeah. that's the thing, you know, it, as educators, um, especially when you've been teaching a long time, you know, it, it's like, oh, I need to put myself in my student's shoes and remember what this
1: feels yes. like. I think absolutely that's huge. Yeah. Do you know that the area of creativity where I feel that the most um, profoundly now is in in my writing? Yes. Uh, Because it's those moments where I am self filtering to the point that I'm paralyzed. And so Mm -hmm. I have to remind myself about my own creative you know, process, which is, which is half of what we're trying to do, right? We're creating, we're creating cr- people who are creative, we're helping them. And I think part of my process is to, to say, like Katie, just, just write for 15 minutes. It could be garbage. Mm-hmm. Just, you got to get something on the paper. Cause you can't, you can't work from nothing. Right. And I feel like that, that leap off the cliff, I, you forget about it when you become a polished practitioner, because because you're not struggling with that. So I think getting yourself into um, immersing yourself in new situations where you feel uncomfortable is healthy for having us become better teachers. I I fully, fully agree. And I mean, and
3: just staring at that blank page, that paralyzed feeling, I often think I've seen that with kids, you know, Mm -hmm. I, you know, you can, whether it's writing or, or drawing or whatever it is, you know, for a lot of kids, you know, we have, we have one that struggles with math in our family and it's, it can be paralyzing and you have to get them to that comfort place of you just got to dive in and get past that. And I, mm-hmm. you know, going back to the revision process and understanding that it's just your first draft, you know, right? it's just your first draft. Yeah. Start, just start. <laughs>
0: Hey there, it's Susan from Education Closet. Did you know that we have five online classes to help you meet your PD hour requirements? Each Arts Integration and STEAM course has been recently updated and is now worth 25 PD hours. And podcast listeners get a special discount. Just go to educationcloset.com forward slash courses, pick your course and enter the code podcast at checkout to get 15% off any course. Looking forward to seeing you in class soon. Now let's get back to the conversation.
3: I don't know. I I'm in the same paralyzed place right now, trying to write something, and I I don't know why. Because if it was if it was paint or ink or something messy, it would be fine. But for some reason,
2: certain things do that to people, and uh, we just oh, have to I help mean, them past it. I, I run that. I run into that. You know, all the time at. Now that I'm teaching middle school, just even the brainstorming process, I'm like, okay, you need four brainstorming ideas. And then, you know, you sometimes get that stare of, I can't think of anything. Yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm not think of anything i'm like what how
1: <laughs> well, i'm scared i'm scared to share what i'm thinking
2: because yeah, I'm exactly. and I think cool. so. how are people going to judge me how are how so, am i going to judge me and and i'm just yeah like, oh, okay yeah
1: and that goes right back to your original question around the risk taking i mean really at the end of the day um which is i think why it was the first question i asked is is if, if you can't get to a place of risk taking in your room hmm you really can't get very far. Yeah. Like you just you can't get into that vulnerable learning space where where creativity lives. So yeah pretty
2: important and I think, and I think the more the more that teachers, I mean, because I know I've really adopted this this philosophy of working alongside the kids mm-hmm. and being able to really showcase that to the students. I mean there are times I'm like, hey, what do you think? You know, I'll lean over to a student, I'll be like, what do you you know, do you think I should go with this way or this way with with it, and I think they just sometimes are you know they start seeing that sharing and that kind of vulnerability almost of, and then they start to see how that's okay.
1: Yeah,
2: you know that cool. starts to work on them as well. So
1: yeah,
3: Katie. Early in the book, you have a figure that is, um it's just a really cool you know it's the creative process linked to assessment and it's exploration, elaboration expression, and then reflective, um, reflection and response. And all the way through, you have assessment. Why is assessment the connector to all of that?
1: Well, because I think, I mean, assessment in its purest sense, right, of, of where am I, where am I going, and what's the relationship between those two things? I think that good assessment like that, where we invite kids into that process is the best way to get them to deeper, richer thinking. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think of, um, and th- this really comes from being an art teacher for all those years, which is I, I see a lot of kids who, who produce what's comfortable and what they're confident with, right? The kid who draws the race car for pretty much ten years of their art career for new audiences, yep. right? And oh, yeah. new teacher, yeah. Um, and also, I, I'm thinking, I'm thinking of little people, right, in my mind, their faces who who will get a canvas and will, uh, you know, paint a big white flower right in the middle of a purple background, and we're we're done, we're done, um, yeah, because it was exciting to paint on this big thing, but I'm painting the same thing that I've painted a million times, so. So I feel like without assessment, without those tools of, of um, you know, so what criteria are we working on? What's a way to push that criteria? How can we set a goal that's new? How can we think about space differently? How can we think about where we put our flower differently? I think without those kinds of conversations, we end up with the very thing that a lot of teachers who, who haven't been comfortable with creativity their whole lives really are afraid of in the creative realm, which is who am I to tell a kid whether what they're doing is good or not, which is Mm -hmm. a totally different question. But anyway, that's the perception, right? That creativity is so subjective. And so I see, you know, I see a lot of art classes where we just hand out blank pieces of paper and kids draw and then the hour's over and then we're done. And I just feel like it's assessment that really drives us into Let's elaborate on that idea. Let's expand. Let's go, you know, it's like your gallery walk. Let's look at other people's work for more ideas. Let's seek things. And then let's figure out how we want to share that in a meaningful way. Who's your audience? Who are you trying to connect with? And then let's think about how we approach this task. So when we head into a task the next time we can apply some of the things we've learned because yes. we learned that this worked for us this time. Right. I just think that that's how, that's how assessment really drives creativity in a much more profound and robust way. Wow. It's
3: well, I know I'm just sitting here. <laughs> like, I, well, even just the, the question you asked about who's your audience, I wish more teachers would ask that, you know, I can think about you know, writing prompts and, and, who is this demonstration for? Who is this project for? Who is this book report? Who are you writing it for? Who's going to listen to it? That question alone changes the trajectory of, of whatever you write, you know, or create or make and just simple questions. You know, I was looking through here as well. And this book is just, talk about things being rich this book is so rich there's just so much thank you I mean it it, I just flip open a page and I find something that jumps out at me um which is literally what I did just here it's the role of it's a chart that has the role of the teacher Mm -hmm. and I love this idea of the facilitator of reflective process Mm -hmm. like that to me what we were just talking about that's really what You're saying is that the teacher, instead of worrying about who am I to assess whether this creativity is good, for lack of a better word, Mm -hmm. you know, be the facilitator of the critical thinking and the reflection and the inquiry,
1: the good stuff. Yeah, like (laughs) that's right. (laughs) So, and and withhold judgment like, this isn't about judgment, this isn't about right or wrong or good or bad. This is about inviting children to think about their thinking and their wonder and what they're doing it's it's far different from from judgment yes. we confuse those yeah. two things too often
3: yeah yes yeah yeah I mean absolutely and and I think that our kids get confused about that as well I you know that's where Matt was talking about the gallery walk you know with littles they start to compare you know is it good is it not good and if mm-hmm. we focused more on the facilitation of the reflection process I think they would do less comparison. Amongst you know, and focus on self more, which is so meaningful to their growth as a human being. So meaningful. Yes. Well, and
1: even if you have a child who says, or or a youth who says, um, you know, I really like Billy's picture. He drew a face way more realistically than me. Okay, we can take that judgment. We can take it. But then this is where assessment and reflection are just so symbiotic. We can say what is it about his face that you think makes it look realistic? Talk me through that. And which aspects of the face that you drew are frustrating you? And so can we set a goal to work on noses? Because that's something that's so frustrating. And let's look to where we can look for that, right? So it's, it's also, I mean, I, I, I'm also very, I think it's important to honor kids' uh, feelings about their own work. That's another thing that's, if we say, oh, no, it's beautiful, or you did a great, you know, oh, then come on. yeah. <laughs> right? like, we're so oh, inauthentic. Were yeah. yeah. And the trust is, is blown. It's yeah. blown. You got to let kids, yeah. When a kid says, I'm not happy with my piece, we have to take them at their word.
2: Like, well, okay. So that's, that's an opportunity it, for, for us honest. to dig in. Yeah. yeah what don't you like about it? Yeah, exactly.
3: What let's could make get it better?
2: There.
3: Yeah, exactly. And it goes straight back to that refinement process, you know, yeah. like it's it's revision it's Mm -hmm. it's i i keep thinking about the austin butterfly video have you seen that the austin butterfly okay so youtube it it's a butterfly and i don't even i can't remember the educator's name but he's talking with a group of uh elementary elementary like second grade yeah second or third grade and he shows them a picture of
2: a butterfly drawn by Austin. The way he was asking the questions facilitated is, the, the students to really start thinking and you know the process and they how they were wording their responses back about it
3: is a beautiful video as far as that whole facilitation and reflection process mm-hmm. and revision process because he shows them, okay, now Austin asked this question and this is how he this is what he did next to his butterfly. you know and it just keeps and so from the beginning it's a very simple line drawing to the end that it looks more like a a more realistic realistic butterfly Mm -hmm. but it's it's really and again no judgment no good or bad it's just that he went through this process of refinement and revision and asking questions Mm -hmm. and it's it's a great I love to show that video when we're doing professional developments because it just it truly illustrates what we're talking about right now it's fabulous
2: and it wasn't just about being an art room or an art teacher i think it was i think it was a
0: science class like a regular
2: classroom and so it it, you know that's the other thing is you get them out of that idea of oh Oh, it's only art
3: art is for only art's sake and that's not i mean art should be art music dance theater it should be pulled into all classes (laughs) (laughs) oh All yes. Bold. Yes.
1: Yes. I know it's crazy talk, but
3: come on now. It can be done. <laughs> it can be done very authentically and naturally. Yeah. Yes. Well, as as we kinda of, I mean, I, I think we we often say we could talk to our guests for Forever. hours on end, and yes. I know definitely one of them. And in fact, I think we're going to have to have you back on because I just don't <laughs> think we got deep into this enough, and I have lots of lots more questions. Um, okay, yeah, but more questions. I, I do. Um, <laughs> questions invite more questions. That's Absolutely. what happens. Yes. Uh, yep. So, um, but I think Matt has one last question for you before we wrap.
2: So what kinds of or what words of wisdom could you impart on us for someone who's maybe a little hesitant about wanting to do this they they so desperately want to but aren't sure like how to get started or or they think oh my gosh this is way too much there's no way i can do that how what kinds of wisdom could you impart to us about where to start
1: well, this isn't my wisdom, but it, I like it. It's, we, we, we can't get to the other side of a lake if we don't leave this shore. You have to go. You have to start. You have to do your first stroke, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so I think, you know what, this is just so parallel to the create, creative process in and of itself. It's starting with an initial risk, and it doesn't have to be big, but it does have to be a risk which could, I mean, and there's a whole bunch of different ways we could do this. Like you could start with an invitation or a provocation or something at the beginning of a class, doesn't matter which class it is, math, science, that's open-ended and you invite students to um, explore and then you invite them to ask questions and you link that to your goal. I mean, that's one quick way to change the assessment paradigm, the goal-setting paradigm in a classroom without very much stress. Or you could try a self-assessment tool, right? Try a try a process during any kind of um, class context where you, you're trying to invite kids to really think about what they're doing. You get them to practice setting criteria. You get them um, to practice setting goals for themselves, building that kind of autonomy. You could take a math problem that students have worked on and instead of saying, "Yep, yeah, we're good. We're good here. Thank you for figuring out the correct process." You could say, "What's another what's another way we could do this?" or "What kinds of problems do you think people might be having when they're having a hard time solving this problem?" So you can flip it. I mean, just a little change that opens the thinking and allows students to find their voice and think creatively is a good first step. But I think we got to start swimming a little bit. That's just, I would love if we could. And you know what I would say to teachers who are scared? Uh, This is the right work. It's the right thing to do, not just for students, but actually for us as adults who work with kids. Because there is no greater joy than watching students find their own voice mm-hmm. i just can't think of anything better than that so so i wow.
0: think
2: we should do it
1: i know right <laughs> I that's just, why we're doing what we're doing
3: that's exactly yeah. why we do what we do i mean that's exactly you know and and uh, you know when we name this podcast the creatively connected you know classroom that's, that's why, why. Mm-hmm. because yep. kids need a voice we've both been educators and somebody and we've we've all been students and somebody helped us find our voice right oh that's so profound yes you're right (laughs) you
0: know and
3: (laughs) thank you to those people yes Yes. it's so true I mean I honor all the educators in my life that helped me find my voice and and I honor those that showed me maybe not the right things to do either because Mm -hmm. I I learned from that as well but Mm -hmm. I I think that I am just sitting here today, you know, I know that somebody helps Matt and I find our voices and that's what we want for, for our teachers and for our students and for our community, you know, here, here yeah. and our world while we're at
1: it, we got
2: absolutely, some problems oh, yeah.
1: Problems yeah. we got to fix. So we need some creative solutions. Yeah.
2: Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much yeah. for oh, with us. <laughs> <So much. laughs>
1: I could talk all day. Honestly, it's terrible. But uh, but thank you very much for giving me a voice this afternoon. I really appreciate it. I, I really honestly think we will have to have you
3: back on because there's just, this is uh, going to be an ongoing conversation. I know, I know that we hope to push people's thinking and, and we're going to sure. have to continue at it. So thank you. Thank you so much.
1: Okay. You're welcome. Have a great rest of your day. You hey, too. thanks. You All
3: too. Right. <laughs> thanks. Bye, Katie. Bye, Katie. Thanks.
0: Bye. Heads up, 7up friends. If you've been enjoying these episodes, be sure to subscribe to the Creatively Connected Classroom podcast. You'll get a notification every time we release a new episode each and every week. And take a screenshot and put it on your favorite social media, Twitter, Insta, Facebook, you name it. Tag Education Closet and K12 Art Chat so we can reach out and say thanks. And if you really love us with all the feels, give us a review and or a rating over on iTunes. It helps others find the show and connect with our incredible community. Thanks for all your support.